Welcome once again to the Video Vault. Thank you so much for taking your journey with me last week back to 1986. I thought we would enjoy one of possibly one of my favorite sort of guilty pleasures. I shouldn't really say guilty pleasure because I actually think it's a really, really good movie. That is 1999's Sleepy Hollow, directed by Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci. This one is very loosely based off the Isaiah Washington short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which I think a lot of us are very, very familiar with. Um, especially like if you've seen the, I think it was 1940s animated movie that cut with um, from Disney, which also featured Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And the yeah, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. It was a two. It was a. It was a two bit. But yes, very fond memories of that, and especially then, you know, in my teenage years, watching Sleepy Hollow was just absolutely incredible. And I just wanted to share my thoughts with you guys. So sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage, grab some popcorn, whatever you wish, and. Let us delve into Sleepy Hollow. Hey all, welcome back to the video vault. This is number six of the video vault. Thank you guys so much for checking out all my previous uh, video vaults, which I will link in a playlist down there. Um, I had a lot of fun doing the last one, which was the 1986 Transformers movie. It's good to sort of you know, go back and relive some of my childhood a bit and this week I've decided to jump forward 13 years to the magical year of 1999 uh, a lot of really really good memories from this year like you know final year of high school spending a lot of my time hanging out with my buddies Ned and Blakey Blakey unfortunately no longer with us um, you know, we just hang out and ride dirt bikes and watch movies on a weekend. And so I thought, why not go back to that good time and look at 1999's Sleepy Hollow, uh, directed by Tim Burton and starring Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci. Now, this is a, a loose adaptation of Washington Isaiah's 1820 short story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. The short story revolves around a school teacher named Ichabod Crane, who goes to the town of Sleepy Hollow, and we have, you know, the legend of the Headless Horseman and everything like that. So, yeah, the, the film is very, it is loosely based on the short story. All the, the characters are the same, 
with one notable exception of Ichabod Crane is actually no longer a school teacher in this one. He is actually a police constable from New York City in, com, who comes to the small farming community of Sleepy Hollow to um, find out, you know, all these um, mysterious beheadings that have been occurring in this small rural area. So we get a very, very um, Tim Burton-esque, like, Medi, uh, you know, 17th century gothic sort of look to it. And the costume design, the cinematography is just absolutely incredible throughout this whole movie. You actually feel like you're back in, I think it was 1799 or 1899? One of the two. One of the two. 17, I think. No, I could be wrong. Probably wrong. But um, we have, you know, the signing of a new will between Van Garrett and a Jonathan who is witnessed. We find out later on that Jonathan, the Jonathan is Jonathan Masbeth who becomes one of the victims of the Headless Horseman. And we you know, find the plot behind all of this. So it's, it's, a very, it's an intriguing movie to watch. It's, again, this is 1999. So this is when the horror genre is sort of getting a little bit of a, of a this is where my tongue stops working, of a revival thanks, you know, to Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. And then, you know, we had Species and then, you know, we had... Um, the Blair Witch Project, which I'm gonna, which I'll do at some point, and I, all these really, really good movies were coming out in that period of time. So anyway, the uh, father and son are traveling through, you know, open country, and they get chased down by the horsemen, and we get this really, really good visual of when the father is decapitated. We have the the scarecrow with a pumpkin head. And you just, you hear the of the of the blade, you know, cutting through and you just see this blood splatter just go all over the, go over the pumpkin. It looks really, really cool. Um, I think the, what they used for the, for, you know, for like the blood, blood scenes in that, in this movie are perhaps a little bit too bright. They could have been, you know, the color of it could have been a little bit dialed back, dialed back because it just looks fake. Uh, if you want to do it, want to see a really, really good, you know, what blood pool looks like, have a look at Carrie. That looks sort of like more realistic, even in Scream when they, you know, they use corn syrup, you know, the same thing they substituted for pig's blood and Carrie. But still, like, this movie's aged well. It's 21 years, it's, yeah, 21 years old. It, this movie has aged so incredibly well um you ever think you know it only the way that it's shot the um i'm drawing a blank i'm going to be editing out that chunk it's just the way that it's shot the film score from danny Elf, elfman i mean i said david Olson for a second 
and like even just the cast that has been assembled is absolutely incredible as i said you know we've got johnny depp we've got christina ricci we've got christopher lee we've got michael goff we've got a extremely talented cast throughout this whole movie it is absolutely incredible so word has gotten to new york city about these slayings and we see this radical constable ichabod crane johnny depp who's trying to convince uh christopher lee who's the the police chief like you know we've got these new scientific sort of techniques this is all like you know the slight introduction of forensics and everything else is like no we're like you want to try them here go out to this small farming area of sleepy hollow you know three persons have been decapitated so it's like okay there's a bit of a reluctance in crane except accepting the the job but he does he does anyway and he goes to goes to the town and you know it's sort of that stereotypical um in a little way sort of like whenever you you've seen a lot of like old western movies from the 60s and 70s and even some of the spaghetti westerns when you have, you know, this lone gunslinger rides into town, everyone, they board up and shut their windows and, you know, clear the streets and all of that because, like, oh, trouble's afoot. Sort of, like, superstitious, superstition sort of sinks in a little bit. But still. Um, so we get to the Van Tassel, Van Garrett family house, which is... Again, beautiful. It looks like it's something out of the 15th, 16th century. Again, this, even the set designs in this are absolutely incredible. There's a huge party that's in swing, and we get introduced to our other key characters in this story. We have Katrina Van Tassel and Christina Ricci, but then we also have Baltus Van Tassel. We have the Reverend Steenwick. We have the Magistrate Phillips. We have the town's doctor and the notary, who... Uh, trying desperate, very, very hard to um, sell Ichabod on the idea of, you know, well, all these killings are actually, you know, they're done by a supernatural being, you know, the headless horseman that, you know, sort of comes from the grave and sort of kills at random. See, I'm using, I'm using the quotation marks because at the minute that's sort of the way it sort of looks like it's at random, but eventually we find out that is not the case so uh, we get the whole backstory of the horseman who is you know a hessian who comes from germany who just loved was just absolutely just loved absolute carnage and whenever he entered a battle was completely and utterly ferocious very well portrayed by christopher walken or should i say well portrayed by Christopher Walken. Probably very badly done. Uh, glaving. Very badly done, but like everyone knows and loves Christopher Walken. Like he's been in some really, really amazing movies. Like, yeah. He was in pop he's been in pulp fiction. He's been in you know, Welcome to the Jungle. He's been in so many 
there's just so many good movies that Chris Walken has been in. They're just two off the top of my head. And so, of course, we get the we see the backstory get played out. You know, he's murdering Carnage. Eventually, though, he gets taken out, decapitated by his own sword, and buried in a you know shallow grave. What could go wrong? 20 years sort of pass, like everything's peaceful and all of a sudden these murders just sort of spark up out of nowhere. I really need to stop clicking because every time I do I get a massive spike in the audio and it's a pain to edit. It's a real pain to edit. <laughs> so uh, Ichabod obviously is not convinced that, you know, this is the work of a supernatural being. He's like, no, this is a... You know, this is someone who is of flesh and blood that is doing this. this isn't you know, this is this is a person. This is not some you know malevolent spirit from beyond. This is an actual person. I'm going to find this person. They're going to be brought to justice. We get introduced to more of the town, like the outs the outskirts and everything, and we get a horseman attack. This is the Jonathan Masbeth character who sees it, who, who has a feeling like the horseman is coming for him and he's in a in a hide box with his rifle just like you know come on out you know I'm gonna get you you're not gonna get me I'm gonna get you sort of thing uh, unfortunately his attempts are in vain and bye bye Jonathan Masbeth so we have the the whole town at the funeral and we you know, get introduced to his son, just young Masbeth as he's known throughout the movie. He doesn't have a first name or anything, it's just young Masbeth. Um, and this is when the magistrate sort of drops a bit of a clue. It's like, you know, Masbeth wasn't actually the fourth victim and he was the fifth. This is like, you know, the whole five victims in four graves. It's like, there's a lot of confusion and it's like, well, what are you talking about? Five to four? Like, Okay, so the next day we're exhuming the graves. There's like five victims, four graves. We got, you know, Peter and, you know, the Vanguard son. We have Jonathan Masbeth and we have the Widow Windship, who at the minute is sort of like, you know, an obscure sort of, kind of sort of a random character that's been thrown into the mix, but we will find out later on that she's actually part of the integral plot. It's like, okay... It's like everything's the same except you know we've got um, hang on there's a, there's a sword thrust in the widow's stomach like what's happening here so we go to the body's taken into the town hospital where a um, primitive is this word loosely <laughs> autopsy takes place and lo and behold you know the widow is with kind she's with child then like the mystery runs well now child like who's the father and all of this yeah we find out later on so the hunt sort of begins for the headless horseman we don't really there's not really trying to find as much information Ichabod's trying to find as much information as possible so it comes up with this little writes down in his Ledger like the ideas that he has so far. I'm like, hmm, there seems to be a conspiracy here. Five victims, four graves, and eventually, like, sort of his last 
what is like basically thinking it's like it points to something then it's like we're going to make a list of who of everyone and just eliminate them one by one instead of the name so he starts you know with Baltus Fantassel you know who's the the uh, the richest man in town he goes down to the so we he's walking around town we see an argument between the doctor the reverend the notary and the magistrate Ichabod obviously thinking something's up using you know, a little bit cluey so we get so he decides you know what I'm gonna follow this magistrate here to see what's going on and pulls him up in a hay field you know just sort of outside the outskirts of town they have a little bit of a discussion about what's going on and you know we get the whole there never was a horseman there never will be a horseman and then lo and behold out of nowhere he's a headless horseman <laughs> holy hell we didn't he was like well, what it, it's real oh my god ah! and um obviously the magistrate gets decapitated again i've got this bad habit of when i'm watching movies like this especially if i'm watching them with either ned or april i will always say something always make some cheesy corny pun like oh well he picked a bad time to lose his head didn't he oh jeez whatever let's anyway Ichabod seeing all this he blacks out and we get a little bit of a flashback I, I like how they've incorporated the flashbacks in this movie it's not just you know there's a flashback and all of a sudden you know for no reason and now we jump back forward no there's um is reasoning as to why with the flashbacks happen they only occur for a start when Ichabod is conveniently passed out again I've got to stop clicking and they all you know revolve around his upbringing really like you know he's you know this innocent boy you know doting mother who is you know murdered by a religiously fanatical fa father in a very torturous way with first we you know we've got the spike chair i can't remember what that thing's called and you know then the infamous iron maiden comes into play as well and kind of scars you about a little bit uh both mentally and mentally mentally and physically because we've seen throughout the movie he has these little marks on his hand and that is results of putting his hands on the spikes when he's in shock from seeing his mother fall forward at the iron maiden so ichabod comes to he's like panic and like absolute hysterics as you would be when you've seen something like this and just it's like it was it was this it was that and it's like we've got Baltus just saying yes we've told you everybody told you what you know it, what we have said was true and he blacks out again and this is sort of where we start to get a little bit of a um a bit of a love story sort of thrown in between Ichabod and Katrina as well which actually also if you've read the original um, short story is actually thrown in there it's actually referenced in there as well um, 
so we're still trying to figure out you know what's going on so once he's gathered his wits and everything we've gone down we go down to the notary and we find a MacGuffin what is a MacGuffin you're asking well this is a very good question let me answer that it is a plot device it is basically a plot device you may hear sometimes if it's a magical plot device it is referred to as a magic MacGuffin otherwise if it's just a standard plot device it's just a MacGuffin this MacGuffin is the satchel of one Jonathan Masbeth, which contains the new last will and testament of Peter Van Garrett, leaving everything he had to not his son, but the widow Winship. Bum, bum, bum. So this is where this character comes into play. And there is also a marriage certificate that's found between, for the marriage of Van Garrett and Winship. And of course, you know, the doctor knows about the knows about the unborn child because he's tended to the sick woman to the woman throughout the whole process. So the plot gets even thicker still. It's like, okay. This is when like it's it's a murdering plot, you know, it's like this person gets lopped off, okay, then everything goes to this person, they get knocked off, it goes over, and so forth down to whoever is the sole survivor at the end and inherits everything. So it's, it's, it's yeah, a, a plot for greed, pretty much. We have this huge gathering at the church after it's found, you know, that the notary has hanged himself during the night because everything's sort of scared him that much. He's like, I can't deal with this anymore, and he hangs himself. So we get to we get a bit of a fake out here because we've had a a bit of a steamy affair sort of exposed between the wife Mrs. Van Garrett or is Van Mrs. Van Tassel and a stranger have been discovered having you know a bit of a, a cordial a cordial affair and you know she's gone and cut herself intentionally because like yeah why not throw in a little bit of you know blood fetish for some reason don't know why but um it's like oh no i'm gonna go get get you know some wildflowers or something and get this you know patched up it'll be fine now she's doing bolsters there saying come on you know we got to go to this meeting here comes the horseman with his sword unsheathed now we get the panic here of oh my god no he's he's Bolsters just flip, just bolts. Bolsters bolts. Literally. That's a good name for an athletic sprinter. And coming in first is Bolsters bolts. Um, so he's under the impression, like you know, oh yeah, the horseman's you know killed you know the killed his wife, killed Katrina's stepmother. And they all frolic to the church. And this is where Ichabod sort of gets a little bit of a discovery or something because like everyone's panicking like, you know, the horseman's coming, we're all under attack. But because like, in these sorts of movies, a church is a lot like a graveyard. It is sacred ground. So nothing can really, nothing supernatural can pass. It is sacred ground. It's like the horseman throws his ax 
inside church grounds and are just the syndicates who can get you know, Ichabod's like he cannot answer he's like trying to calm everybody down it's like you know you're safe the horseman can't enter but lo and behold you know the horseman even though without a head he's a bit cluey so he makes a bit of a spit a um, harpoon from one of the fence posts and we get a really really cool sick kill um, this is when Baltus is in a panic saying you know, there's a huge conspiracy here he's like we get a shot of Katrina looking over to Ichabod because, you know, she's seen what was written down. And like, wow, you know, maybe this is true. You know, there is this sort of conspiracy happening. And, of course, Baltus, he gets harpooned with a fence post that has been tied to the end of the rope and is just dragged out the window of the church. And it's very sort of graphic in a way because as he's being dragged along, you know, we've got this post sticking out of his chest and it's just oh, oh, ah, you hear the gargling and everything it's like panicked and then here comes horsey and he's decapitated so we got to find out eventually that whoever is controlling the horseman this is sort of when it's realized you know these killings aren't at random these are in order these are in a spe very specific order and this is where we find out that whoever's controlling the horseman has this skull is using his skull as a a summoning device which in a lot of witchcraft i think and especially like voodoo cultures and that they sometimes use like skulls and that as a, as a summoning agent so we find out who it is. It is, it is the the stepmother, Van Tassel. Uh, she's the one who's been knocking off all these people, so she can inherit the vast fortune. When there's only one person left, that which is Katrina. So she summons summons the horseman. We get this sort of we get an homage to the nineteen thirty one Frankenstein where they go into the the windmill. You know they escape through the roof. The horseman's chasing after them, and we, this is where we get the homage. They're jumping for the sails, and Johnny Depp sort of drops the lantern, and we get the the burning the burning windmill, which is if you watch the Boris Karloff. Frankenstein is a very, very iconic scene right near the end of the movie. So we run, we go straight down the, this huge chase between the horsemen and our three protagonists of a young Masbeth. Again, we don't know it. It's never really uttered what his first name is. He's just known as young Masbeth, Katrina, and of course, Ichabod Crane. They reach the horseman's resting place, the Tree of the Dead. And stepmother Van Tassel is there. She's the one controlling the head, controlling the horseman. She still has a skull in her possession. Ichabod manages after a tussle, tussle to retrieve the skull. And just as Katrina is about to get decapitated, he gets the horseman's attention and returns the head. So we get this whole, it's a very, very graphic CGI sequence, but it's very well done because the realism in it is so incredible. The skull gets reattached 
and then we just get this crazy sequence of muscles and tendons and ligaments and hair and eyes and everything else just like forming back in and then we get the full reveal of the full Christopher Walken horseman who then just jumps on his horse picks up the the stepmother who'd been controlling him the whole time and they ride off together through the tree of the dead into hell we get this we get this really really cool shot of when the stepmother's arm sort of drops down it almost makes like a beckoning just slow moving beckon like you know come to me sort of thing the case is solved they go back to new york it's winter time it's just in time for a new century and that is it for sleepy hollow it is in my view a very underrated movie like if you're a fan of the tim burton gothic uh, style of directing you're gonna love it because it's just absolutely incredible how well how detailed uh, this movie is from the set design to the costumes to the wigs that were used to the the dialogue that was used throughout this movie it is extremely well done I strongly recommend Sleepy Hollow to anybody who has not seen it now i know what some of you are going to be thinking you're going to be thinking oh yeah so far he's done movies he likes you know when's he going to do one that he that he doesn't the answer soon very soon trust me i'm good there's going to be reviews of movies that i absolutely despise because they stink <laughs> They're just terrible. It will be happening. Not every, not every review is going to be, you know, wine and roses. Or in your case, beer and pizza. Or one of those delectable Fitzy burgers as well. Um, so I had to have a bit of a chuckle. I was talking to when I was listening to the latest Grey Wolf pack chat. Cheap plug for Grey Wolf. Hey, here's another one. You know you can buy these shirts. I think they've got hoodies on pre-order. Go to um, go to their Facebook. Just go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash ent, and click the link, and uh, you'll be able to order yourself a sweet, sweet hoodie. So there you go. In a little, uh, little plug for them as well. But um, you don't have to worry. Got fits. Ned, you don't have to worry about any surprise bleeps or anything in this one that are going to be too loud. I hope your pants didn't get too messed up, Fitz. I hope you weren't drinking hot coffee or whatever and it's just spilled everywhere. Um, don't send me the dry cleaning bill. But, yeah, look, I've got to send a huge shout out, as always, to Ned and Fitz at Grey Wolf because they're just absolutely big supporters of the Video Vault. And, you know what, I agree with going back to the photo Fitzy had a photo of a burger that he's put up 
I'm ranting now. And there's a lot of like, oh, you know, this, that doesn't look right. It's like, no, well, the way he had it, it was like, you put the salad on the bottom and then you put the patty and everything else on the top because then you got the salad next to the barrier so your bum doesn't get soggy and blah, blah, blah. Watch out for Fitz's cooking, cor Fitz's cooking corner. I'm sure that'll be coming. And um, oh yeah, trademark, uh, what is it? Bite density index? Yeah, trademark that. But, uh, anyway, thank you so much for checking out this edition of Herbs' Video Vault, and I shall see you next time around. So there you have it. That is my thoughts on Tim Burton's 1999 epic Sleepy Hollow. What did you guys all think of that? Um, let me know uh, via Twitter, just at Herbie376. If you have any questions, you can also just hit me up on Twitter at Herbie376. And I shall see all of you again next week when we open once again the video vault.